You ready for the word today? I'm ready to preach. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Genesis 30. Genesis 29, Genesis 30, talks about uh, Jacob. You remember uh, Jacob, uh, Isaac's son Jacob. Uh, <clears throat> he he was he kind of uh, was kind of deceitful sometimes, but anyway, Isaac told Jacob, "I want you not to take any wife from these people." From the Canaanites, I want you to go down to your mother's relatives and find a wife. And so Jacob obeyed his father, and he went down. And uh, as he was going down, he was trying to find his mother's brother, whose name was uh, Laban, and he was trying to find him. And uh, he asked about where he was, and and one of the people said, "Well, that's his daughter." Rachel right there bringing down the sheep. Now, isn't it cool? Rachel was a shepherdess. You know, some people think, well, shepherds were just guys. Well, Rachel was a shepherdess. She took care of the sheep. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? That she, she did that, and she came down, and the story was that uh, <laughs> I don't know what she thought about this, but Jacob saw he loved her at first sight, and he kissed her. What's with that guy? He just met her. So, young people, this is not how you do it. But it worked for Jacob. (laughs) But not really. You'll see that he had to go through a whole lot to get this woman. So, anyway, he went to uh, Laban, and and uh, and, uh, he worked for Laban. And Laban said, well, it's not right that you work and you don't get paid. He said, what can I give you? And so he asked for Rachel. And so Laban said, if you'll work seven years, I'll give you Rachel. So can you imagine that? He loved her for seven years. He didn't have anything to do. I guess that one kiss had to last seven years. And uh, he, he just worked hard keeping the flocks for Laban, taking care of Laban's stuff. And he worked for Laban. And so at the end of seven years, uh, they had a wedding. And in those days, the brides were covered really veiled. Now, you know, uh, Rachel had a sister. Her name was Leah. And uh, uh, nothing wrong with Leah. It's just that he was in love with Rachel. And so uh, anyway, they had the wedding. And then they, uh, he never saw his bride because she was covered and veiled as they did. And then, when he woke up in the morning, behold, (laughs) it wasn't Rachel. Can you imagine that? You got the wrong woman. He's married to the wrong woman. You guys are just sitting there going, yeah, I understand. Are you kidding me? I mean, if I'd married David and he had been veiled and I woke up the next day and it was like his brother, I'd go, ooh, nothing wrong with his brother it's just I wasn't in love with his brother can you get that 
This was not cool. This was like, this was a bad joke. He worked seven years for this woman. He wakes up the next morning. He takes the veil off her face. You know, it had been dark in the tent that night. And she, he opens his eyes. Now listen, none of us are good to look at in the morning anyway. And it, it is, a, it, you know, that wedding night when you open your eyes the next day and you see what you married could be a shock to any of us, you know, because <laughs> what happened to that beautiful woman that I had coming down the aisle? <laughs> Her hair's all like this, and she's got morning breath. But <laughs> this was even worse. It was not Rachel. It was Leah. And so Jacob goes to Laban like, what, what's this all about? This is the wrong woman. And Laban says, well, now it's our custom that we never let the younger one get married before the older one. <laughs> oh. And so he says, I'll make you a deal. You work seven more years for me and I'll give you Rachel. Listen, this is love. But he, did give, he didn't have to work seven years to get Rachel. Laban gave him Rachel then at the understanding that he would work seven years. Because I, I used to understand that he had to work 14 years for this girl. But he, and he did. But he got her. But Laban gave her to him. So he had two wives, Leah and Rachel. And, uh, and, but he had to work seven more years so that he, would be, he could keep Rachel. I don't know what would happen if he'd worked three and said, I'm tired. <laughs> that wouldn't have been good. But anyway, he did, and he got Rachel. And so then Jacob wants to leave. He wants to, he wants to provide for his own family. Now he's got children. Uh, Leah's given him many children, and he's got children, and he wants to be on his own. He wants to provide for his family. And so let's start reading in verse 30. I kind of told you that. Let me find out where we're going to start. Okay, he, here it is. Now it came about, verse 25, Genesis 30, 25. Now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph. See, Rachel wasn't able to have children for a long time. Leah had the children. And then Rachel got pregnant and she had Joseph. That Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me depart for you yourself know my service which I have rendered you. Now listen, because Jacob was blessed of God, Laban prospered by having Jacob. Listen, can I tell you this? That if you will understand the blessing on you, that where you work will be blessed because you're there. I remember going in and I went for a job interview and I'd gotten a, I'd gotten a revelation that I was a blessing and that where I'd go would be blessed. And I went to a job interview and the guy, the boss is interviewing me and he says, uh, well now, you know, uh, I had all the things that he needed to do for the job he wanted, but he said, now what, now what would it benefit me to hire you? And I said, if you'll hire me, this business will be blessed. How many people hear that in a job interview? He said, what? I said, I'm a blessing. You let me work for you, your business will be blessed. He said, I've never heard that before. He said, I, the blessing comes with me. 
He hired me, and the business was blessed. And when God told me to leave, the, my, unsaved, my unsaved boss, I went into him and I said, God says that I need to quit. I'm giving you two weeks' notice. And here's my unsaved boss that he knows that since I've been with them, the business has prospered. He says to me, will it help if I talk to him? I said, give it your best shot, buddy. <laughs> but God had other plans. Amen? So, Joseph has been, I mean, Jacob has been a blessing to Laban. And Laban knows that. But Laban said to him, if now it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. Listen, you guys are blessings going someplace to happen. When you go, blessings go. You've got to understand that. You know what? My mother said when I was in the seventh grade, she said, you're an accident going someplace to happen. And you know what happened in the seventh grade? Everything. I was an accident going someplace. I was in the hospital. I was at the doctor's office. I was doing strangest things, cutting my finger off, you know, all kinds of stuff. Because my mama got what she said. And finally, I got a revelation. I mean, it was a long time before I got the revelation. I got a revelation. I'm not an accident going someplace to happen. I'm a blessing. I'm a blessing. Amen? You're a blessing. You are blessings going places to bless humanity. Where you go, it ought to get better because you show up. Now, if you go and you're just cranky, you know, <laughs> before I became a Christian, I met some Christians. Why don't you be a Christian like me? You need to get saved. I, you need to love God like me. And I think, you're the most unhappy person I've ever met. What? Why would I want to be that? Sort of like when, you know, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to get married and I'd already been saved and I'd, I'd go preach places. 80% of the women wanted a prayer for their marriages. I thought, why would I want to be married? Seems like that's a big problem. See, because we have to, we have to show forth the light of the gospel. Amen? That doesn't mean we don't have problems. Doesn't mean that, that we don't have marriages that need help. Doesn't mean that we don't get sick. But it means that we show how to walk through those things and have victory. Amen? Doesn't mean that we don't have people in our family that pass away. But it means that we can go through with grace and, and joy and peace. Amen? And show forth that God is real. That this word works. Amen? So he says that God has blessed me on your account. He continued, name me your wages and I will give it. Wouldn't everybody like to hear their boss say that? Are you guys awake today? Do we need to get up and do some exercises? How many would like to hear the boss say, name your price? Well, a few of you, thank you. The rest of you just live in poverty. <laughs> Name, oh no, you put your hand down. <laughs> Name your wages, and I will give it to you. Laban knew, listen, he knew where the blessing came from. He knew. 
He didn't know a lot about God, but he knew this guy's got some connection that when he's here, things go better. There's people, you're, you're in jobs right now that you're just, maybe they never say it, but they know that they're blessed to have you. They know that you bring good stuff to their company. Amen? Hallelujah. He said, but he said to him, you yourself know I have served you and how your cattle have fared with me, for you had little before I came, and it has increased to a multitude, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. Isn't that interesting? But now when shall I provide for my own household also? So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flocks. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. Now, how many know there's not a lot of lambs and goats that are speckled and spotted? Most of them are white. There's not too many black. You know, that's why we have the little nursery thing about the little black sheep. There's not a lot of them. So that means it's going to be less, right? So he said, let me have those. But now, Laman was a tricky guy. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs if found with me will be considered stolen Laban said good let it be according to your word now listen what Laban does here's what Laban said that's a good idea you can get all the speckled spotted striped ones black ones that's that's good what's he do he goes and takes them all he takes them out of the flock and takes them and gives them to his sons, and they go three days' journey away from Jacob, so Jacob won't know. Now, that's dirty politics, isn't it? That's not right. Well, that's what he does. So he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, every one with white in it, and all the black ones among the sheep, and gave them into the care of his sons. See, he just made an agreement he was going to give them to Jacob, didn't he? Listen, the world has a way that's going to cheat you. That's the world system. But God has a better system. Amen. And he put a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. You know what? Here's a man of integrity, right? He just keeps on serving Laban, keeps on feeding his flocks. Do you not think that Jacob knew what Laban had just done? Of course he did. I mean, Eric, you would know if you went out and looked at your herd, you would know the ones that were missing. You would say, where did they go? You would know. It's not like he was clueless. He knew. He knew what Laban had done. But I tell you what, I don't care how the devil tries to steal from you. I don't care how the devil tries to trick you. God's got a way to bless you. Amen. Amen. God's got a way. You just let God be in control, and he will see to it that the blessings come. Let's read. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. He took branches of trees, like black poplar, and he peeled the bark off to make stripes. Now, interesting. Listen. <laughs> You can find all kinds of people that try to explain this away that, oh, this, these kind of trees had certain kinds of 
DNA in them and da 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 da. They try to always just take out the supernatural. But he did this. Why did he do this? What did he do with these? He put uh, he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, and they mated where they came to drink. So here's what happened. He peels these trees and makes them striped, black and white, black and white, black and white. He puts them in the troughs. And you know wood that it's going to look blacker, right, when it's wet, right? So it's black and white. He puts them in the watering troughs so that when the sheep and the goats come, they look in, and th what do they see? They see black and white, right? And they mate right at that place. Now, genetically, this doesn't work. People that work with livestock, you're going to say, sorry, that's not, you know, you can put all the black and the striped and spots in front of them. That doesn't change anything because there's DNA. But let me tell you, God is able to change DNA. He's the one that came up with DNA, not CSI. He did that. He can change it. So this, but Jacob, he wanted them to see and have an image in them. This is what they last see before they mate. Why? Because they could have what they see. What do you see? So that they'd start thinking that. Now, really, what they think doesn't change it, but God wanted them to see. Let me tell you, what you see doesn't change things, but if you start believing in what you can see with your spirit, you can have it. Amen? Amen. You start seeing yourself out of debt, but you look at your checkbook, you look at your bank account, you look at your investments, and you say, that'll never happen. You look at your credit card bill, you look at your mortgage, and you say, it'll I can never be out of debt. But if you can see yourself being debt-free, Oh, and no man anything but to love him. If you start seeing that, God will start changing things. Amen? God's going to do it honest. He's not going to steal. He'll do it honest. But he'll start turning things. Amen? I remember my mama, she bought a, she bought a car, and she, <laughs> she didn't have the money to buy a car, but she bought a car. And uh, so for Christmas that year, we, we decided that we were going to pay for that car. And so we wrapped up a, a, a little bill. We put, you know, we put the name of the car and we put paid in full on it. And we went and paid the car off for her. And I, I remember her opening that and going, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. God was going to pay my car off. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Now she had no way to pay that car off. But God had a way. Amen? Listen, you don't know the ways God wants to bless you. Praise the Lord. God has ways that you don't know. The most unusual ways to bless you. You know, we, we kind of try to figure out, how, well, now how's God going to do that? Stop it. You'll never figure it out. You can't figure out how God's going to do it. He's God. He's just smarter than you. Amen? So here we go. Let's read. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees, peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods, he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, and they mated when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, 
speckled, and spotted. Now, okay, let's talk science right now. Laban has removed all the livestock that was spotted, speckled, or striped. They're taken out. So genetically, if you want a spotted animal, you're going to mate it with a spotted animal. But he had taken all of those out. But Jacob knew God was going to bless him. And so he did what he knew. Not only did the, did the animals see it, but Jacob saw it. Jacob had to go put water in those troughs. So every time he put water in the troughs, he saw, yes, my livestock's going to be spotted, speckled, and striped. And they started producing spotted, speckled, and striped. Amen. Glory to God. God did what couldn't be done. Amen. God will do what man can't do. God's, God can do the impossible. Hallelujah. So Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks. Now, here's what he did. Here's the cool thing. Read this. So Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laman. And he put his own tents, herds apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. So what he did, he made his flocks look at the black sheep. Look at the speckled sheep. Look at the striped sheep. He faced them. Now they were three miles apart, right? What did it say? Three, was it three days journey? Three days journey, that's more than miles. Three days journey apart. So they really, do you think they could see that far? No, but he faced them that way. You know why? He had a vision. He had a vision. I'm going to face them. So that, so that that is where we're going. That's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have what Laban stole. And so, moreover, whenever the stronger the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flock in the gutters that they might mate by the rods. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in. So the feeble ones were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Remember, he could only keep the ones that were spot, spotted, speckled, and striped. The ones that he had from the flock that he was given. He wasn't given any of the, those that were spotted, speckled, and striped. He was given only ones that were white. But when they started mating, he would see the ones that were weak and he would give them to Laban. Smart move, right? Are you guys getting this? This is smart. Because he kept the stronger ones. He gave the weaker ones to Laban. Why? That caused his, his herd to increase, right? So the man became exceedingly prosperous. I thought God wanted his people poor. No. This man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Cool, hey? God caused Jacob to prosper when it was impossible. It was too good to be true. Laban must have thought. How could he possibly lose? He had figured this all out. Listen, the devil's got it figured out how he's going to keep you broke, poor, sick. But God has got a better plan. However, it was an open-ended agreement which encouraged Jacob to attempt to manipulate 
the outcome, but also left God. I love this. God was free to overrule the natural course of nature in order to bless Jacob. God is free to overrule the natural course of nature to bless you and to bless me. Amen? He's not limited to your paycheck. He's not limited to your job. He's not limited to your investments. He's not limited to your savings account. He's not limited to the family you were born in. He's not limited to the race you are. He's not limited to the part of the country you live in. He is not ever limited. He's only limited by your unbelief. Amen? Amen. You know, when, when God wanted Abraham, remember Abraham, when he was called Abram, he, he and his wife Sarah, they were old. They had never had children, couldn't have children. And God said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, father of many nations. And your seed is going to bless the nations. Out of you shall come seed to bless the nations. He told Abraham, I'm going to give you a child. Now, Abraham was old and Sarah was old. We're talking about old, old. We're not talking 40. We're not talking 50. We're not talking 60. We're not talking 70. They were old. But God changed the natural course of nature. What was dead, God made alive. But you know what he did? He said, Abraham, look up at the stars. Can you count the stars? Abraham, have you ever tried to count stars? I really, I have to be honest, I've never tried because I look up and go, that's impossible. He said, can you count the stars? Abraham said, No. He said, so shall your descendants be. So many you can't count. Then he said, Abraham, look at the sand. Now remember, Abraham lived in the desert. It's not like he lived in Lloydminster. You know, God said for us, look at the sand. We go, where? Where is the sand? Let me go out to Sandy Beach. But no, he said, he lived in the desert. Can you, look at the sand. Can you count the sand? Abraham says, no. Have you ever picked up sand? How many, you know, even just like a, one of those sand sculptures, how many grains of sand is in that? Who, who would know? Who could even think? Millions. In one of those sand sculptures. Abraham, can you count the grains of sand? No. So shall your descendants be. You know what God was doing? He was saying, Abraham, in the nighttime. When you start doubting that I can give you a child and that you're going to have many descendants, look up. There's, there is an obvious sign. You look at the stars and you remember what I told you. Abraham, the Bible says he believed. Abraham believed. He counted not his own body, though dead. He didn't, he didn't acknowledge that. That he believed the word of the Lord. So don't you think Abraham had some times where he's thinking, I, you know what, I don't see how this is going to happen. Obviously we know that because Sarah, she's the one that said, well, take my, my maid. And that's how Ishmael came because they started doubting whether God could do what he said he could do. But God put the stars up there so that during the nighttime, how many know that it's in the nighttime many times that the devil says it won't work? That in the nighttime, when you're laying in your bed, you start worrying and getting fearful. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how, how this is going to work. How many know that? The nighttime. 
The nighttime is when you start thinking of stuff you shouldn't be thinking of. God made a way so Abraham, who lived out, you know, in tents, Abraham could go outside his tent, and he, he might be thinking, I don't know how this is ever going to happen. How, I've never had a child. How am I going to have multitudes of children? I don't understand. And he'd go out and he'd look at the stars and said, but God said, God said, look at all those stars. God said, that's how many descendants I'd have. Then in the daytime, maybe he had neighbors that said, Abraham, you're crazy. You're an old man. Sarah's an old woman. You're crazy. You'll never have children. You never had children. How do you, how do you think you could have children now? Abraham, all he had to do is look down at his feet. There's a lot of grains of sand. God made a way so during the nighttime and during the daytime, anytime Abraham could look and hear the word of the Lord. Listen, today we have the word of the Lord that we can look at morning, noon, and night. A more sure word that when the devil says you can't, you can open up your Bible and say, I can. When the devil says it's impossible, you can open up your Bible and say, all things are possible. Amen? We don't look at the stars. We don't look at the sand. We look at the Word of God. And the Word says, I can. The Word says it. If the Word says it, I can have it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, verse 14. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions which we ask of him. Right? Here's the key. I hear people quoting that, but they're not, they're not, they're not quoting it right. I mean, they might quote it right, but they're not believing it right. It says, if I ask anything, what? According to his will. Listen, if you're not doing the will of God, you dis, you're disqualified. Amen? I know there's preachers today that are preaching something different. But listen, this is the word of the living God that says, you do it my way. It has to be according to my will. Amen? Amplified says this, and this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will in agreement with his own plan. He listens to and hears us. The, the key here is it's got to be an agreement to his plan. Listen, I can say, you know what? I, I'm going to ask God, you know, I'm going to ask God, you know, to uh, give me a job in Texas. Well, don't you think I better ask God if I'm supposed to be in Texas? That'd be a first start. I can, I can pray and I can believe. I believe I have a job in Texas. I believe I got a job in Texas. God's going to give me a job in Texas. You can say that, believe that, whatever. But if it's not according to his will, you cannot have it. Now, the devil will give you some things sometimes. And you think God blessed you. Listen, we've had people that they give testimony. 
Listen, God blessed me with a lake cabin. And it's the blessing of God. Well, I believe it probably was the blessing of God. But you know what happens? They're gone all summer long. Every weekend they're gone. Do you think God is not smart? Like I'm going to bless them so I keep them out of church. Really? I think I need to talk to God if that's the way he thinks. He's not thinking straight. No, God's not going to bless you with something to keep you away from him. That's not God. Now, he might bless you with something and he expects you to use it wisely. God can give you a cabin. God can give you an RV. God, can, God wants to give you things like that. But it's not to keep you out of church. Amen? Amen. It always amazes me. Somebody would say, you know what? God gave me this great job. Okay, tell me about your great job. Well, the only problem is I, won't, I can't be in church. God gave you a job that keeps you out of church. You think that? Then God's not very smart. No. Now, God can give you a job and wants to give you the best jobs. Amen? And you know what? If you're bold, I've had it happen. I went to work, and I would just, at the beginning, say, you know what? I don't work on Sundays. So if you want me... This is the deal. I don't work on Sundays. And I don't work on Wednesday nights. So if you want me, that's my deal. And we've had many people that have done that. You know, it's not fair to get a job and then tell them. Tell them at the beginning. And if you're in a job right now and you say, I, you know, I'm missing church because I'm in this job. Well, listen, pray about it. Ask God for a job where you're not going to miss church. Have I got some amens? Because I know, I know how the oil rigs work. I, I'm not ignorant. I know. But listen, it is not the will of God that you're not with your family. It's not the will of God that you're not in church. That's not the will of God. God, God is bigger than the oil rigs. The oil rig is not Lord over God. And you're not oil rigs. Blah, 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 blah. That's all, folks. Uh, the oil rigs are not Lord over you. Amen? You have authority. God's bigger than that. God, you could own the oil rigs. You could own the companies. Amen? Doesn't mean you're getting out of the oil rig, out of the business. But God can turn it around. Amen? God's given you certain talents. God's given you certain abilities to use. Amen? But he's not going to give you those abilities to use to keep you out of church, to keep you away from the body of Christ, to keep you away from your families. Amen? He's given you those abilities to bless you. You have to find that out. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy 4.3, a very familiar scripture says, uh, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. For the time will come. He's talking about the end times. Time will come. Listen, the time is here. <laughs> this is, we're in it. We're in it. Because listen, 
If you don't like what preacher, one preacher says, you can turn on your television and find another preacher. If you don't like what he says, you can, you can flip the channel. Find another one. Amen? We are blessed to have technology. But listen, if we're using that technology to just get somebody to tell me what I want to hear, then it's not right. God will speak to you most of the time, let me tell you this, that God will speak to you in your local church, particularly because he's speaking to you. Thank God for television ministries. Thank God for other teachers and preachers. But listen, when God speaks to a local church, he knows you're here. He's not trying to reach millions. He's reaching you. That's why after a service, people come up and say, man, you answered the question you, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. You've been reading my mail. Those kind of things. Why? Because God knows you're in the service. Amen. And thank God. I mean, we put our sermons on the Internet, and people are getting blessed and learning, and they're just, it's just wonderful. We're thankful for that. Amen. But listen, God created the local church. He puts you in a local church for your benefit, for the kingdom's benefit. And God's going to speak to you in your local church. But now this is what happens. Some people, they don't like what they hear. So they're going to go across town. Listen, praise the Lord. There's always another church to go to. There's always another preacher to listen to. But listen, if I don't want to be corrected, then I become rebellious. I come, actually, Jesus said we become illegitimate. That's not a very pretty term. I can make it even plainer for you. But listen, when you love your children, you correct your children. People who don't correct their children, the Bible says, not, not Dr. Spock or whoever, Mr. Spock or whoever it is. <laughs> it's Dr. Spock, isn't it? Now, Mr. Spock was somebody else, right? No matter what he says... Oh, don't, don't discipline your children. Don't correct your children. You know, let them, let them do what they want to do. Listen, if children did what they want to do, they would eat sugar every meal. They would not have a bedtime. They would be up all night long, sleep during the day, not go to school. Right? Because they... Children are children. Their brains aren't developed. Teenagers don't like to hear that. But your brain's not developed. You have a great brain, but it's still not developed. Not like mine. Right? So the Bible says that if we don't discipline our children, it doesn't say we don't love them. It says we hate them. You don't discipline your children, you hate your children. That's big. When God says hate, he's not playing around with the term. Do the children like it? Oh, really? My mother used to spank me. And she'd always started out like this. This hurts me worse than it does you. Now, I knew, I never talked back to my mother. Not, I mean, she just went to heaven this week. 
And I can say I never talked back to her. Never. I talked back in here, but I never let it come out here. Oh, I had some great things to say inside. So my mother would, you know, bend over, and she would always say, this hurts me worse than it does you. And my thought was always, well, then let me spank you. <laughs> we can solve that problem real fast. <laughs> bend over, Mama. <laughs> I could just imagine if I'd said that. Whop! Wouldn't have gone over too good. I didn't know that till I had children. And I remember, bend over. This hurts me worse than it does you. <laughs> Sometimes I'd have to go in my bedroom and cry. It really did. I hated. I hated some. I, not all the time. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> You know. <laughs> Ma, uh, no, some of the time. Uh, but I didn't always like to spank my children. So some of the time I'd go in my room and cry. I, I would discipline them and then I would go to my room and cry. Because I didn't like it, but I knew it was what God said to do. I knew it was the right thing. But it wasn't the easy thing. And, you know, it's not easy to be consistent with discipline, is it? <laughs> if you do that one more time, I'm going to spank you. If you do that one more time, you're, you're grounded or whatever. Then they do it again. Well, if you do that one more time, then you've said it like four times. They don't believe you. And so it, it has discipline on our part to say, right, I've got to keep my word. You know, I, I remember one time <laughs> saying to Jonathan, you're grounded for the rest of your life. Now, he really didn't, you might think he did something really horrible. It really wasn't that horrible. It's just I was just ticked off at him. <laughs> I said, Jonathan, you are grounded for the rest of your life. And as soon as I said it, I went, <laughs> and I started laughing like, what a stupid thing to say. <laughs> I don't want him to be grounded. That means he's going to be with me for the rest of his life. I don't <laughs> That's not going to work. But if we love our children, we will discipline them. The Bible says discipline is not pleasant for the time being. You know, well, one time Jonathan did say this. Most times children, you know, you're going to discipline them. They don't want to be disciplined. Hey, listen, there was times I would take Jonathan out when he was a little guy. I can talk about him. He's not here. And uh, I'd take, I was taking him out. He was about two, three. He screams the whole way out the church. Don't spank me, mama. Don't spank me, mama. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Not easy. But one time, he had just been bad all day, and I just had disciplined him so much that it was like, I'm exhausted. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you just spank me? <laughs> this is bad when he has to ask for a spanking. <laughs> that is bad. But he knew. That's what the Word says. He knew he had been raised with the word. He knew that this was right. And he knew that he would feel better, that it would be better for him because he would, he would, it was what God said. He knew that was right. But praise the Lord, with the Lord, you know what? We don't like to be corrected by the Lord, but it's the right thing. 
But if you're never in a local church, do you think, and praise the Lord, this is my spiritual father, I love Brother Copeland, but do you think Brother Copeland is going to discipline you about your personal life? He doesn't know you. No, that's where you get a local church, amen, a pastor to speak into your life, amen? amen. We can learn from these teachers. We can, we can learn great things, but that's just why God gives a local church. Why? So that we can be taught, we can be corrected. The Bible says rebuke, resort, uh, reprove. There's a good one there. What is it? Rebuke, reprove, and exhort. With all long suffering. So two out of three are not the best things. One lady came to me and says, I want to leave the church because you don't make me feel good. Well, I could tell you why I didn't make her feel good. Because she was living in sin and didn't like what I preached. So you know what she did? She went to another church that they, they didn't get on to her about that. They let her do whatever she wanted to do. Well, that's what it says. In the last days, they're going to look for teachers that will tickle their ears. Amplified says, For the time is coming when people will not endure, tolerate, sound and wholesome instruction, but having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. Listen. Today, there's teachers today that are on Christian television, they're writing books, and there's some truth in what they're preaching. But listen, there's error. And you have to study the Word to know. You need to know what I'm preaching is right or wrong. You're not going to know that. You can't just say, well, this is what Brownie said, this is right, this is what Pastor Jonathan said, this is right. Absolutely not. You better get your own Bible and you better look it up. Amen? But today, there's churches that are being divided. There's t people that are being rebellious. There's people that are going off doing strange things because they're hearing particularly one particular preacher and, and uh, they're hearing what he's saying. And you know what? He's preaching a truth but not the truth. And so it tickles their ears because they don't have any responsibility. It's okay if I don't pray. It's okay if I don't go to church. It's okay if I don't tithe. It's okay. Well, it is okay. You know what? It is okay if you want to live like an uh, unbeliever. But if you want to live the life of Christ, you're going to do what he says. Amen? And he will grace you to do that. Amen? Hallelujah. We must inquire of the Lord and seek him. If I have heard that, I've heard that for two years, and you've heard me talk about it. That we need to inquire of the Lord. In these meetings I was in, uh, in the minister's conference, I heard it again and again. The body of Christ has got to learn to inquire of the Lord. Listen, I had a, a, a day, I'm, I'm in Fort Worth, and I, the doctor is saying about my mother, she's going to get better in a couple of days. But I inquired of the Lord. Lord, what am I supposed to do? He said, get on the next flight, go to, go to Houston. Well, my favorite preachers were coming up in the afternoon. One of my spiritual fathers, my pastor, Jerry Savelle, was preaching that afternoon. Keith Moore was preaching there. 
There are a couple of my favorites. And so I didn't really want to hear get on a plane. I wanted to go after they preached. But God said, do it now. Go now. See, I've learned to inquire of the Lord. And I've learned to do what he said. So I'm telling you, I, I, my whole entourage, it was Rob and Trisha, Sal and Jonathan. We all went to my hotel, packed my stuff, took me to the airport, put me on a plane. And I got there and I was able to be with my mom in her last hours. Why? Because God knew better than I do, did. Thank God for DVDs and, you know, I could hear those preachers. But I remember going up to Terry Copeland that, that, after, that, uh, that morning and saying to her, I, I think I'm going to leave and go to Houston. And I appreciate friends like Terry who said, you know what, Brownie? You can hear the speakers on DVD. But you might not have another chance with your mom. That's what kind of friends you need, amen? Who's having a meeting, then they want you there, but they know the better thing. Inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Ask the Lord. He will not hold it back from you. James 1, says this, But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Listen, hearers, it says they delude themselves. If you're not doing the word, you're deluding yourself. There's people today that you know, and you're in this building today, and you know God's talking to you about quitting some stuff or doing some stuff. And you keep excusing it. Well, I'm going to do it. I'll do it later. I'll do it. I'll, you know, I've got a plan. But you know you're not obeying God, and you are deluding yourselves. I've done it. How can I tell you this? I know I've done it. Deluding myself to say it's okay with God. He's okay with this. I remember one time I needed money and I thought, I can, you know what, I'll catch up on my tithe next month. <laughs> I deluded myself. I didn't obey God. You can delude yourself. It says deluding yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. You know what? We're not supposed to look at our natural self. In the natural, do you know what? Naturally, I don't like to be with a bunch of people. I naturally, my natural inclination is to be alone. <laughs> Funny that God put me in the ministry, right? But that's a natural thing. But God comes in and says, this is who you are, Brownie. This is who you are. And he changes it. So I have to look in the word of God to find out who I am, right? You have to look in the word and find out who you are. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. You are a mighty woman of God. You're a mighty man of valor. This is who you are. You can't look in a natural picture and say, this is who I am. Because you know what we do when we look in the mirror? We start picking ourselves apart. Oh, I wish I was this. I wish I was that. Why do why can't my hair be like so-and-so's? Why can't I look like that? Why? You know what? Society says, you, this is what you're supposed to look like. This is, what you're, this is the house you're supposed to live in. This is the car you're supposed to drive. When the Word of God can tell us who we are. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we look and we see and we have power to do it by the Word of God. Some people say, are you of that bunch that's a name it and claim it? Uh, <laughs> blab it and grab it group 
Well, I used to be of the group that when I first got saved, we thought if we just claimed something, it was ours. We didn't inquire of the Lord. So you know what happened in our little church? You know, God helped the single guys that came in because, you know, the girls were going, I claim him. That's mine. I claim him. And the poor guy's like, what? You're going to marry me. I've already claimed you. We thought that was God. I claim a million dollars by the time I'm 25. When I was 24. That, I didn't inquire of the Lord. We didn't inquire of the Lord. We thought you just claim it. Oh, I claim a Mercedes. Thank you. Just in case. <laughs> I claim a boat. I claim a this. And it was all material things. It was all things of the flesh. It was fleshly. But now you can name the promises of God. You can claim the promises of God. You can blab the promises of God. You can grab the promises of God. Amen? You inquire of the Lord. You get in the Word. You Anything that Word says you can have, you can have. You can be healthy. You can be healed. You can be prosperous. You can live in peace. You can have joy. You can be free from grief and sorrow. Why? Because the Bible says... So I can claim today, no grief and sorrows coming on me. You know, I, I was sitting in my mother's funeral on Friday, and it hit me. I'm an orphan. That thought came to me, I'm an orphan. My mother and my father are dead. I'm an orphan. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God said, you're not an orphan. Your mother and father are alive. They're just not on the earth. Orphans don't have mothers and fathers. You have a mother and father. They're just not on the earth. Oh, I'm not an orphan. Why? Because of the Bible. There's a reality in the Word. Because heaven is real. Amen? The government might say I'm an orphan. The government might say I'm a widow. But the Bible says in Isaiah that the Lord is my husband. I have a husband. He just doesn't go good on paper. It doesn't look good when they ask you your spouse's name. The Lord God Almighty. The great I am. They don't like that. But I know. Amen? I'm not alone. I don't live by myself. The Lord abides with me. He lives in me. He lives in my house. He's a welcome guest any day. Amen? Amen? If you're single today, you're not single. The Lord is your helper. He's your best friend. Amen? 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 Praise the Lord. God's got a different answer than the world. Amen? Listen to this as we close. Amos 8 says this. This is a really important scripture. Amos, you know, Amos was a, a prophet of God. Minor prophet. Amos 8, he's talking about the end days. It says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger 
from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Today, people are trying to find it, but they're not trying to find the word of the Lord. They're trying to find a preacher that will tell them what they want to hear. I'm telling you, it's the truth. The Message Bible says this, Oh, yes, judgment day is coming. These are the words of my master God. I'll send a famine through the whole country. It won't be food or water that's lacking but my word. People will drift from one end of the country to the other, roam to the north, wander to the east. They'll go anywhere, listen to anyone, hoping to hear God's word, but they won't hear it. There are people today, just like I was when I was in my 20s, that are looking for something that's real. And the, the world has so many imitations. But God's the real thing. They're looking for another high, but we have the most high. They're looking for some kind of wine, but we've got the new wine. They're looking for peace. Peace, brother. I mean, I was, I was a hippie, you know, like, peace. <laughs> peace out, <laughs> We had no peace. We had no peace. This doesn't give you peace. That's right. <laughs> Just so you know that. <laughs> peace comes from the inside. Out. Peace comes from the Prince of Peace. Amen? Peace is not a movement. Peace is the prince of peace. That peace, like I was flying. I really think my mother left her body before her body left, quit. I think my mother checked out early. And uh, why do I think that? Because, listen, I was in an airplane. I looked out. I was looking out at the clouds, and I had a sensing. My mother just went through the clouds. And it, I'm telling you, a supernatural peace, a peace that, as the word says, peace that passes all understanding came over me and I said she's she's just left she just went to heaven and I got to the I got to Virginia and I got a phone call and my brother says you know what this is what we're doing and I really expected him to say she's already gone but they were keeping her body alive and you know they can do that and I said I said what do you want to do he said we want to take everything off I said take it off she's not there she's risen Amen? But only God can do that for you. Only God can give you peace when your loved ones leave. Only God can do that. The world can have all kinds of counseling sessions and all kinds of help and thank God for them. Well, sort some of them. But uh, it's, not, it's temporary. Listen, when somebody dies, you know what they want to do? They want to give you medicine. Have a Valium brownie. No, thanks. I got Jesus. There's people that need Valiums, and if you need one, well, believe God that you won't need them so much. Amen? It's okay. But listen, when you know that you know that the peace of God's on you, you can walk through. You can walk through, and you can have joy and peace and just love. Love your life. I didn't always love my life. 
But I love my life. I'm thankful. So, it's important that we look and see. We look and see. Jacob wanted his flock to look and see that they could be different. And they were different. God says people are looking to see, but they're not finding. Because they're looking for the wrong thing. Listen, the world today is looking for things. Oh, they, look, they want a relationship. They want this. They want that. They think, well, if I, have, if I have a man or if I have a woman, I'll be happy. If you're not happy before the man or woman, you won't be happy afterwards. You'll be miserable because it's in you. You know, going to another church is not going to solve your problems. Divorcing your wife or your husband is not going to solve your problems. Get in love with Jesus. Go to the Lord and just fall in love with Jesus. Inquire of the Lord. What do you want me to do, Lord? I inquired of the Lord, should I be here today? My flesh said I need to ride back with Jonathan and help him drive. That's a mother, right? I need to help him. But I inquired of the Lord. The Lord said, you need to go home. Okay. There was no discussion after that. Go to the phone and buy the ticket. Praise the Lord. It's settled. Because and peace is there. And I know John's going to be fine. I'll be fine. We're all fine. Amen? Because the Lord has the best for us. The Lord has the very best for each of us. He wants the best for you. He wants you to live a life of peace, not torment. He wants you to live a life of blessing, not curses. He wants you to live a life of knowing he cares for you. One of the most important scriptures in the Bible says that he is mindful of us. The Lord says that we are on his mind. Can you imagine that today? Today, as Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father, can you just imagine he's thinking of you? That's so big. Look at all the other people he has to think about. He's able to think about you personally. The Bible says that he's carved us in the palm of his hand. The Bible says he's numbered our hairs. You think God doesn't know you? I know Denny really well, but I haven't numbered her hair. And I certainly haven't carved her in the palm of my hand. I don't even have a tattoo with Denny on it. But I know her. I love her. She's precious to me. But... God is so much bigger than that. God knows Denny, and he's mindful of her every moment of the day, every day of the year. He's mindful. You are always on his mind. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah.